Welcome to this episode of CTU Speaks, Decreasing Debt. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. I'm your co-host, Jim Staros. And I'm the other co-host, Andrea Parker. Nice, Andrea. How you doing today? Oh, well, how are you, Jim? Doing pretty good. We're going to be talking all about student debt and debt relief. Do you have any student debt left, Ms. Parker? Thankfully, I paid off my student debt probably around 10 years ago. I couldn't take it anymore. I just wow. wrote a check and said, forget it. I can't. I couldn't take the interest rates. I just thought I was being, I don't want to say it, but I thought I was being or well, I felt the damage I felt by the government. But I felt like oh, I was being robbed every month by the government and banks with all this interest. And I said, I'm just going to sacrifice and just pay it off because I just think it's the worst type of debt to be in to me. Wow. Miss Parker just balling like that. Just wrote a check. She's like, I was done with it. I just wrote a check. No, nah, it wasn't like it. It wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> told, I won't say much the check was for, but it wasn't like I had to pay it down now to write yeah, the check. <laughs> I got you. And uh, But it, it was like, whoa. I got you. Well, I mean, this is a problem that affects, you know, a good percentage of Americans and almost everybody that ends up attending college has debt of some sort at some point. You got some people like me. I've still got quite a bit of student loan debt, Ms. Parker. I know you, you probably And that's that. lightly putting it. Yeah, it is lightly putting it, actually. I don't want to scare all of our listeners out there with how many. No, let's uh, not give them the number. No, we're not going to do that. Okay, we're not going to do that. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's a heft. I'm going to say it's a hefty number. Sure. And actually, the entire number is based on the amount of interest that there's been over the years. What's been happening is, not just to me, but to a lot of people, there's a lot of unscrupulous practices from these people that fund the student loan programs in this country. And they get people more and more in debt, put them in wrong payment programs, put them on higher interest plans. And before you know it, it's an untenable situation. And we're going to talk a lot about that with one of our guests today. I agree. I'm so glad um, to hear from our guest today, which is Chris Groff, who works for the American Federation of Teachers. Mm-hmm. And people need to know because it I only got like $5,000 of my student loan debt um, forgiven mm-hmm. uh, because we know that there are some programs that will forgive us um, some portion of your debt if you are an educator. Um, but if you're an educator, teaching a certain amount of years. Teaching this community of students, teaching this subject area. I mean, there are so much criteria. And then when I was finally eligible, uh, oh, I, it took me like five different times to get approved. Oh, you didn't check this box or your principal didn't sign in this box or you sent it a little bit too early and you need one more month. It was just so uh, much red tape um, that I had to get through in order to get 5000 forgiven. Thankfully, I got it done. But um, research tells, I think only 1% of people who are eligible to get their student loan debts forgiven were actually forgiven because, as you said, all these technicalities and loopholes that they're able to get away with. And when people are presented with so much red tape and technicalities and difficulty, they just say, forget it. I'll just pay on. I won't even try. Yeah. And again, it disproportionately affects people who are a lower income, people in communities of color, people in that are already in a position where things are more difficult for them. And this just makes it more and more difficult for them to get out and get ahead and make it so their, their families can have a better life. Yeah. And it's ironic that in this country, America, we offer like, hey, college will lead you to the American dream where you just have this great life. And don't get me wrong, opportunity does present college does present opportunities. 
Uh, and I and I am thankful for going to college. But when you're in so much debt and you think, hey, I'm going to get out of, I'm going to get a decent job. And then you realize the job don't pay as much as you thought it would pay. Um, you have more bills than you thought you would have. You have a family and you have more responsibility than you thought you would have. And this interest is more than I thought at 18 years old. And they said, oh, you can pay it back just like that. Uh, you know, a lot of us didn't read the fine print when we were 18, 19 years old. Uh, all we know is we want to go to college. And so this affects our mental state. And so when you in some extreme debt, it, it affects your mental state. Um, and you feel like, what was all this for? And we want our teachers to be in the right mental state and not have to be in a state of worry, but be in a state of peace where they can be able to do their jobs and take care of their families properly without without worry, without anxiety. So I was just, again, looking forward to talking to our guest so he can help us, especially you, Jim, on how to decrease <laughs> our debts. So we can be emotionally, financially, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, socially healthy. Now, why don't we get to our guest, uh, Chris Goff, and we'll see what he has to say. Let's do it, shall we? We shall. All right. So we're here with our guest now, uh, Chris Goff from the American Federation of Teachers. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing really great. Thanks for having me. It's really good to be able to talk to you about this. Yeah, this is a really important topic, and uh, I think our listeners are going to be really interested in what you have to say. I hope so. It's uh, money in their pockets. Yeah, it is. (laughs) You know, we've been told if we want to matriculate and, you know, have the American dream, the most popular way is to go to college. Yeah, college is good. I'm not knocking college. I went to it and learned a lot there. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's very important. So thank you again for just sharing your knowledge. So could you explain to our listeners just who you are and what is your role um, with the American Federation of Teachers? Right. So I work in our higher education division in Washington, D.C. So I've been at AFT since about 2007, and I've been working on issues about college uh, affordability and student debt um, since around 2011, including kind of being the coordinator for our student debt clinic program since about 2015, where we work with our members to let them know about different options for uh, debt relief. Um, especially about public service loan forgiveness. And we also do some agitation around uh, student debt, letting them know that this is not, you know, an individual problem that people have. Um, it's not that you are a bad person because of debt. Um, it's a systemic issue. It's a political issue. It's something that, you know, not only can we help them with their pocketbooks, but we can also build a political movement um, to change the system and it's working. So um, it's really exciting to be a part of that program. That is exciting because we 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 need debt. Yeah, we do. Uh, because it affects not just our finance, but it affects our mental state. And if we're not mentally healthy, uh, we're just not healthy. And I think people don't realize the strain or the importance of uh, having a healthy mental state and knowing how to navigate life and things like that. And so when our finances are intact, it really helps you know our mental. Uh, so you gave a webinar to the Chicago Teachers Union members. Uh, about student debt back in May. Mm-hmm. And again, this week, um, all the spots of that webinar were filled with the first two hours of it being open. So obviously, interest is among CTU members is very high. And, and I understand. Could you also outline how significant a problem student debt is in this country? Well, it is a huge issue. There is over uh, $1.7 trillion And student debt out there, um, the vast majority of that debt is in the form of federal student loans. 
you know, it's extensive and, you know, we are currently kind of seeing the most indebted uh, students graduating from college in the last few years. Um, but on top of that, a lot of this gets framed as, you know, a, a problem affecting young people just coming out of school. And I don't want to minimize that. Um, but there are people who've been in repayment for decades, either because they haven't been able to make student loan payments and there was no assistance for them. They went in and out of default, in and out of forbearances. Um, I regularly have conversations with people who are in retirement trying to find out about what debt relief options are available to them. And it is crazy. And for these people, it really is kind of on the edge of catastrophe for them because, you know, people who are over the age of 75, you know, hold a small amount of the student debt, but they're the people who are most struggling. I think three quarters of them um, are in default or were in default uh, back when, uh, before the provision of the CARES Act. And going into default for an older American means possibly missing out on social security payments, having their social security checks garnished. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So people who are already kind of on the margins, especially people on fixed incomes in retirement are struggling. Um, And again, been in repayment for decades, um, which is crazy. When you have conversations, you hear them as like, yes, my plan is to die with my student debt. That is is so crazy that you've got you said people over 75. So they've been paying for over 50 years. They've graduated college 50 years ago. Maybe. It's some of not necessarily. Some of them went back to school later in That's life. True. Some That's of a good point. Loans for their children. You know, there's a whole, the reason that people have student loans. Are yeah. So That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, for their kids too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when I hear people talking about how, you know, you should pay what you owe, you mm-hmm. know, that that's, you know, you borrow that money, you should pay it back. You know, and I, I looked at some of my student loans that I've got. And I just did a spreadsheet on some of them. Uh, one of my loans, because if you have a lot of student loans like I do, every year you get a different loan to make, I don't know, make you feel worse. Like, like mine are listed alphabetically and I ran out of alphabet. So I'm in double letters on some of them. So that's how bad it is. But one of them, I, I had borrowed $20,000. I've already paid back $26,000 and I owe $28,000. Yeah. You know, I've already paid back what I've owed plus. And that doesn't even count the origination fee you had to pay originally, which was theoretically to service the loan to begin with. No, I'm completely in that same boat um, and have watched my, you know, debt from, you know, when I started my undergraduate years in 1992, blew up to twice the size that it is. And I have more than paid off the debt. And I am no closer to paying it off than the day that I started paying it. In fact, I'm farther away from that because of the way the interest impacts on this. And so... I unfortunately did a lot of consolidation in the mid 2000s when interest rates were the highest they've ever been and can't get out of that. But on top of that, you know, there's different ways that the federal government subsidizes student debt um, or subsidizes interest or subsidizes unsubsidized student loans. For most people, that doesn't mean anything to them. But the unsubsidized means that, you know, while they're in school, interest is accumulating. And so for a lot of people, the first thing they know is they took out, you know, $30,000 for school um, and that first bill comes true and already a bunch of interest is capitalized into it as soon as they enter a repayment and that $30,000 they borrowed is already $36,000 um, as soon as they leave school. And, you know, then you have things like forbearance or deferment, which are attractive to people because you don't have to pay anything. If you're struggling, that sounds like a really great idea. Um, but those things, um, if you entered in them while you're not in repayment, the interest accumulates and then it's put back into your principal as soon as you come out of repayment. And so you have these kind of huge ballooning payments. Um, there's all sorts of issues with the kind of way interest is calculated into that. And like people just look at their accounts and they're going backwards. <laughs> it's- yeah. Yeah. My, my account's going backwards myself. I mean, I know 
prior to you know Biden coming in and making these changes to how the student loan program works, I was not able to qualify for forgiveness. So I've been paying on my loans since forever. I I graduated in 2002, so it's been a minute. Me too. Um, but Jim, why weren't you able to qualify? I mean, you're a teacher. Why wouldn't you be able to qualify for some loan forgiveness? Well, as smart as I think I am, they tricked my ass on some stuff. Certain things like you're in the wrong repayment plan. So that didn't count. Even though the repayment plan I was in paid more than if I had been in the correct payment plan, which makes no sense. It's like you go to the store and you know somebody's like, hey, this is $40. And I'm like, oh, I'll give you 50. And like, no, you can't have that. How does that make any sense? And then as Chris was mentioning, I had been putting forbearance for quite a while. When I first moved to Chicago, I had four kids. You know, my income wasn't that high because I just started with CPS. And right. you know, not not having a payment, you know, that seemed like it. I'm like, damn, that's a great plan. It seemed like free money in my head. But none of those payments counted. Correct. And that was actually the thing when Chris was talking at the seminar that made my brain click up. I've never missed a payment. I've never not mm-hmm. paid. So I've either been in a deferment or on a plan or whatever. But because of all these stupid little things that have happened, they only counted, I want to say it was like 28 payments out of the hundreds of payments I've made. And something Chris had mentioned was there's a lot of these unscrupulous practices that they're doing about putting people in the wrong plan, being too long in forbearance or deferment. I I was wondering, Chris, if you could explain some of these changes that happened with um, the public service loan forgiveness and how that could help members like me and how it helped get me from that pittance of payments all the way up to close to being paid. Yeah, I would be happy to. And I think you're right. And it's uh, I want to kind of flag here about how complicated they made this program. A partner organization we work at, the Student Borrower Protection Center, is very fond of pointing out that, you know, like so many other kind of federal programs, this was kind of designed to fail, that the hoops were supposed to be so onerous for people to jump through that people will get discouraged. I want to come point out, you know, for people who are educated, who don't necessarily have a lot of interactions with um public relief measures, you know, as difficult as this is, and, you know, we're people with college degrees who had to go through this, but, you know, interacting with social security or Medicaid and the hoops you have to jump through to access those public relief programs, um, you know, uh, public assistance programs. Um, and it's crazy. And the whole thing is designed to get people to go. Ugh. And I think one of the great things that the Biden administration done as they listen and they were like, this is ridiculous how difficult it is to get into and have taken some things to kind of redress that. And they've been somewhat successful. So kind of summarizing the changes they made, um, and this was back on October 6, 2021, so almost a year ago now that this happened. Um, and I do want to point out that the reason these things happened is because the AFT sued Navient, um, one of the big student loans, and we sued the Department of Education for their horrible, you know, implementation of the public service loan forgiveness program. I mean, it's one thing to design a program that is hard to begin with, and then another thing to not give anyone information about how to do it. Uh, and so because of these lawsuits, this, you know, the new rules are part of the settlement. Uh, and again, this is kind of one of the powers of being in a union to be able to have the resources to take on big entities that are really screwing over um, student loan borrowers. 
Um, and so the big changes, one of the kind of biggest stumbling blocks for people was they needed to have a direct loan, which makes sense for someone who's coming out of college today. Um, the only loans that they offer now are direct loans for student borrowers. Um, and that was a change that came about in 2010. But for anyone who went to school before 2010, they most likely have what's called a federal family education loan. There's a lot of people with old loans who started work in 2007 or before then who were like, oh, they're going to start counting my payments on October 1st. Um, and then come 2017, after they've made those 120 payments, they found out they have the wrong type of loan. So as part of this waiver, um, if you apply before October 31st for public service loan forgiveness for all the time that you've been working back since October 1st, 2007, they will go back and... Um, count those payments made on Fell loans, on those older loans. There is one extra step. You still have to consolidate the loan into a direct loan before October 31st, but there's an amnesty period to try to correct those um, wrongs because of the loan type. The other thing, a really big thing that people were getting hung up on was the type of repayment plan. Um, and so only the income-driven repayment plans, um, which are payment plans that base your monthly payment on your um, income and your family size, those are the only plans that qualify uh, for public service loan forgiveness, with the idea being you graduate, you get into one of those income-driven repayment plans early um, in your career when your salary is the lowest, you maximize the amount that you have to save at the end of 10 years. Of course, I didn't tell anyone that that's what you needed to be in. And there are payment plans out there that offer even lower monthly payments. There is a 30-year payment plan for folks, um, which completely predatory in terms of kind of the way the interest is accumulated into that and all that. But people were just like, oh, I'm going to get the lowest payment possible and have my loan forgiven at the end of 10 years. And then we're not in the right payment plan. So again, they waived that requirement and you can get those payments counted if you apply before October 31st. So uh, doing those things. Um, I do want to mention something that might be of interest to people, um, your former colleagues. Um, and that is there used to be a requirement that you had to still be employed in public service when you applied for and actually received um, the loan forgiveness letter. So if someone made their 120th payment and then they're just like, that's it, I'm out <laughs> and quit, um, they couldn't receive forgiveness because they weren't employed full time. So a lot of people, they got to like 2018, they're just like, oh, I'm not getting this because I had the wrong loan or the wrong repayment plan. And they were just like, I'm not going to stay in the profession anymore for a lot of the reasons. Um, they retired because they were in your retirement age or they were just done. The pandemic obviously caused a lot of people to leave. But those people who didn't think they could receive forgiveness can now go back and get those payments counted, even though they're not public service. So if you know folks who have retired or who left the workforce in the pandemic um, and who thought they might be eligible for PSLF but were told differently, they should definitely go back and fill out that paperwork because it is available to them if they've completed those 120 payments. And I guess the last thing is you were mentioning kind of issues with overpayment and not counting overpayments. <laughs> they are liberalizing those things. That is some of the just, you know, silliest stuff. People were trying to do the right thing. Um, people were rounding up, you know, <laughs> people who had a payment of $64.76 would just pay $65 or, you know, whatever the next highest number was. Um, and so it was just kind of insane. The whole process is just incredibly difficult. And so the waiver period is trying to right all those wrongs in the past. Um, and again, we've got a deadline of October 31st. It is critical that people contact the Biden administration and ask them to extend that deadline. Not enough people are going to get through it. Um, so they're doing their best to redress those past problems. And I know they're also looking at, you know, 
the way to do this going forward to kind of liberalize the system to make sure that the ease of access to this. Um, and so I don't know what that's going to look like, but you know, if we just kind of go back to the way the system is before, there's still going to be lots of people falling through the cracks and we really need to make this as easy as possible for get access to, especially people who um, are working in public service and doing things that are so important for our communities. And so we know that people are happy now, at least a little bit, uh, that President Biden just authorized a $10,000 forgiveness and $20,000 forgiveness for certain borrowers. Does that mean that the student loan problem has been solved? <laughs> no, although I do want to <laughs> I do want to point out, like I was actually one of the people kind of in the room many years ago when we decided that we were going to make this a political issue and we are our kind of North Star was debt cancellation. I don't think any of us ever thought that that would actually be a thing. So even getting to ten or twenty thousand dollars in debt cancellation um, is huge. It's going to help a lot of people. I do not want to minimize the impact that this is going to have. There's going to be tens of millions of people who, when this happens, are going to be debt free, and there are going to be millions more who are going to be very close to debt free. Like having the amount of people um, with student debt in the United States, which is huge. And then for other people, it's kind of like a slap in the face. <laughs> it's, you know, it's just $10,000. What am I going to do? And they're not eligible for public service. And, you know, these aren't people who who are shirking on their loans. Some of these people were, you know, defrauded by predatory for-profit colleges. Um, some of them, you know, were misdirected by financial aid offers and, you know, took out more loans than they needed to. They didn't have good financial counseling. There's any number of reasons that people people lived through the Great Recession. <laughs> they were out of a job and couldn't make student loan payments. There's millions of reasons that you know people need this relief, but um, they're still falling through the cracks. And I know that kind of their philosophy of helping people is they're using every available tool to try to get relief to as many people as possible. We kind of have a joke among people who work in the student debt world. It's like, oh, if there's only one simple trick that you could just wipe out student debt, you know, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? Um, but we haven't gotten them to use that one simple trick yet, which is just a full cancellation. Um, yeah, we, we've talked a lot on the show, um, other episodes about, you know, why why is there even interest on student loans? Like, it, what it, what is the purpose of the government making a profit on educating their own people? This is our government making rules about educating the people of their own country that theoretically are supposed to help the country succeed. What is the incentive for us not to have an educated populace? I don't know. I can never understand why people would do some of these things, but Biden's made a lot of changes. I had noticed something. I was reading an article the other day about some changes to some of the income-driven plans. Uh huh. Maybe you could explain that a little bit. So we're waiting on the details of this, um, but right now the big problem with um, income-driven repayment plans has exactly kind of been that interest issue you talk about. You're in one of these plans, um, but the payments are low enough where you know you're not even covering the interest payments on that, and so people are watching their loans balloon. That's certainly my situation, probably similar to a lot of other people's. The kind of broad outlines of this are: they're creating a new income-driven repayment plan. So currently, the most generous repayment plans offered by the federal government are based on paying a monthly payment based on 10% of your discretionary income. They're going to lower that percentage to 5% um, of your discretionary income for undergraduate loans. We're not sure how it's going to um, work with graduate loans, but anyone who's coming out of you know, receiving a bachelor's degree is going to have available to them um, an income-driven repayment plan that's based off of 5% of their discretionary income. 
Um, and the way they determine discretionary income is going to be much more generous than it is now. Um, and it's going to use a higher percentage um, of the federal poverty guidelines to do that. So the amount of money that people are paying on um, is going to be um, smaller than it is right now under law. Um, and a really cool thing, speaking of interest with this, is that um, I think the uh, intention there is that if you are enrolled in one of these, or this new income to payment plan and making payments, um, they're going to subsidize or waive the interest payments on that. So people are not going to be watching their interest uh, balloon like it is now. Um, and so again, kind of the, the devil's in the details here, we haven't seen all of the information about that. So that is subject to change. They're in the review process for that now. But the broad outlines of it are really exciting for people. Um, and having being able to have an affordable monthly payment that doesn't cause the anxiety of watching your interest payments bloom um, while you're doing your best to pay things off. Exactly. That must mean Biden's been listening to the podcast, us talking about how we don't want <laughs> how we need to eliminate interest, right, Andrew? Exactly. I didn't know he was one of our uh, our millions of listeners that we have. Well, you shouldn't so be thank surprised. you, President Biden. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. All right, Mr. Brown, we're not gonna hold you, but we do want to ask you this one last question. One of the programs that the AFT or the American Federation of Teachers offer its members. Is something called summer. Mm-hmm. Could you explain what that is and how it can help in reference to debt relief? Yeah, so summer is essentially a uh, online student loan management platform. Um, my boss Randy Weingarten likes to refer to it as TurboTax for your student loans. Um, so ah. we spent a whole bunch of time talking about how complicated it was to understand these programs and all the hoops that you jump into. And so with summer, um, AFT members, like uh, your members at CTU, are able to sign up. Essentially, what they do is they ask a few or they're asked a few simple screening questions, which gives them an idea of what they might pay and the different loan forgiveness programs that they qualify for. But then they're able to bring their student loan data over. Um, and Summer is able to create a checklist of them for them of the things that they need to do. And so it says, hey, to get PSLF, you need to fill out the PSLF application. You can do it right there. Um, they can help you transmit it to the employer to get it approved, and then they can submit it to you, the servicer for you. Um, you can apply for an income-driven repayment plan. You can see which plans you qualify for and what you'd pay in each of them. Um, and it creates that checklist. So, you know, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. So you're on track and you're not missing out on one of those weird little requirements um, that there's so many of <laughs> um, that, you know, it's kind of hard to keep track of. So it's kind of like having a little executive assistant who organizes everything for you. You can do the applications through them. They also do things that I can't do. Um, I always make the joke in a debt clinic, you know, that I am not a financial advisor and that if people saw my own checkbook, they would not want me anywhere near there. Um, but uh, Summer can provide kind of more specialized financial, uh, a little more specialized financial advice because they have your loan information in front of you and they can kind of talk you through all the different options and how they're going to uh, intersect with your own ambitions, your own financial situation uh, to make sure that they're getting the right fit for you because as great as the improved uh, prospects for income-driven repayment plans and public service loan forgiveness are, um, they're not going to be you know, it's not one size fits all for everyone. And there might be teachers who say teacher loan forgiveness is a better option for taking that five or $17,000. Or maybe for some people, it's just not going to be worth it to wait another, you know, eight years to pay off their loans when they have such a small amount, they can just pay it off. So they can get a little more kind of specialized um, advice with their borrower support team. And it's absolutely free to people. Um, it's a benefit of being a member of their union. 
Yeah, um, I'm I'm a member of Summer. It's been super helpful. And uh, shout out to Francis, who's been the person on the other end of all my emails. <laughs> they are awesome. Um, they are very responsive. So definitely sign up for this program. Um, and all the things, uh, Chris, if it's okay, we're going to put it in the show notes, all the links to your documents, because I know we, we went over a lot of stuff and it could be kind of overwhelming with all the stuff we went through. Yeah. Uh, let me actually throw you a couple other uh, options for folks to get more information. Please um, do. First of all, um, if you didn't make any of the duck clinics that we uh, co-hosted with CTU, um, the AFT offers a student duck clinic every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So that'd be 6 p.m. for your members. Um, I will send you all the links so you can pass it on to your members, but it's one registration link and they can sign up for any of the clinics um, that are posted. And we keep posting more as the month goes on. Um, the other thing that I would direct people to is we co-host a website with our friends at the Student Borrower Protection Center called ForgiveMyStudentDebt.org. Um, that has all of the information about how to apply for PSLF, about the PSLF waiver, about income-driven repayment plans, and we're updating it with them um, to make information available about the actual loan forgiveness, um, the debt cancellation of ten dollars to $20,000 and what folks will need to do as details on that come clear. So it's a great clearinghouse for information, not only for our members, but you know they can send it to friends, family. Um, anyone else that they think of that could use help um, with this. Um, and so those are kind of the, the first two things that I would point people to, to get kind of additional information on uh, how to get rid of that debt. Well, that is some awesome information. I really yes. appreciate you being here to talk to our members about how to forgive some of their student loan debt and some of the crazy uh, hoops that had to be jumped through that have at least been partially eliminated or made less hoopy. Um, by the current administration. So thank you so much, Chris, for showing up today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And uh, we're going to be back in touch because we're bulldozing through more of these. Um, there's still so much work to do um, to make this promise real for people. So Great. Thank you for coming. And we'll have you back again sometime soon. When my student loan debt is forgiven, I'm going to have you back. We're going to have a big party online. I would oh, love to. Oh, well, we, <laughs> that means may not be coming back. <laughs> oh, dang. No, no, yeah. Yes, we're going to, you're going to get those debt free. There we go. Well, thank you listeners so much for listening to this episode of CTU Speaks Decreasing Debt, where I hope that you learned a lot of information that next year this time that your debt will be decreased or even fully eliminated. There you go. Okay? Because mm-hmm. I think what the government is doing just between you and me is borderline criminal. It is. All right. So if you want to reach us because you have a great topic or you have a question, comment, or concern, do not hesitate. We can be reached at 312-467-8888. Again, 312-467-8888. And Jim, give our listeners other ways they can contact CTU Speak. Well, you can also email us at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. And you can also get us on all major podcasting platforms because we everywhere. Doesn't everywhere. matter where you look. Anywhere we you global. Look, we are global. You look you look under a rock. We're probably there. We're everywhere. In your dreams. We're in our, your dreams. Not in a creepy way, <laughs> but we're there. <laughs> and also, don't forget to look in the show notes for all the different links to the information that Chris Goff sent us. Um, He's got a lot of good information about places for debt reduction clinics. There's PDFs of different types of things that you can do step by step on how to try to eliminate your student loan debt. And um, 
yeah so hit us there and if you got any questions don't forget to email us or give us a call thank you again listeners for listening to another episode of ctu speaks where we only speak what matters talk to you soon bye bye <laughs>